Welcome everyone to another episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. This is Short Latina. And with me, I have uh, my co-host. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Joining us, we have uh, two beautiful guests to remember the International Women's Day. We have uh, Andrea and uh, her grandmother, Doña Manuelita. Welcome. Hola, buenas noches. Good evening. Buenas noches. <laughs> and we will today we'll be discussing as you guys know this season season three is focused on la villita little village which is known as also um the mexico of the midwest uh, but as we know in in la villita there's more than just mexicans uh, more than just latinos but that's how uh it's commonly known la villita um and you know for this episode we're going to talk about uh not just family um, and generations, but also activism. And uh, Doña Manuelita has been instrumental in a lot of, in, in the big movements in Little Village um, for a very long time. Um, and Andrea, her granddaughter has also been the staple in the community. So before we begin, um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time. So first and foremost, um, para empezar, ¿dónde, ¿dónde están ubicados en la villita? We currently live right off of 23rd and Avers, so on the west side of Little Village. And so what is your connection with Little Village? Did you grow up here? Yeah, uh, my connection is this beautiful lady sitting to my right. Um, she has been in La Villita for, ¿cuántos años llevas ya aquí en La Villita? 50 años. Más de 50 años en La Villita. Um, so kind of sort of born and raised in Little Village, really. I'm 37 now, so that's... Uh, Quite a long time. Y Doña Manuelita, ¿cómo llegó a la vida? ¿Cómo decidió vivir en este barrio? Bueno, nosotros llegamos a Chicago en 1954. Pero vivimos en el norte y luego en, en la Taylor y luego en la Roosevelt y luego en Douglas Boulevard. Y al fin de cuentas llegamos acá a la villita. ¿Y cómo es que, que llegó a quedarse aquí y no mudarse de nuevo? ¿Qué le gustó del barrio? Bueno, estaba muy tranquilo realmente la, el barrio. Y todavía, en realidad, este, gracias a Dios no tenemos problemas aquí en lo que es la cuadra. Es muy tranquila. Es... Eh, no hay chamacos o no hay muchachos jovencitos que anden en pandillas o que anden en la calle. Así que este, en realidad es tranquilo. Nunca hemos tenido problemas. Y, y quiero leer um, lo que me mandó Andrea para nuestros, los que escuchan este podcast, uh, sepa un poquito más de usted. And so this is what Andrea sent to me. Born August 8th, uh, 1925 in Roma, Texas. Mother to nine children, grandmother to 20, and great-grandmother to 11 plus. Um, and what does that mean? <laughs> you guys explain. Uh, huh? my, my sister is now expecting uh, for October. So, you know, now the grandbabies are having grandbabies. Or Congratulations. Babies. I That's was like, so exciting. <laughs> low plus. Okay. Um, <laughs> has been a resident of Chicago since 1953, but La Villita has been home over 50 years. She always had 
and 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 I can't say that word and entrepreneurship my immigrant tongue won't let me (laughs) she was an only child began working at the age of eight helping her mother wash clothes for others she and her compadre started Alegria in Chicago a radio show in 1968 that played Musica Latina at WXRT was a door-to-door saleswoman from selling retail to jewelry, ultimately working for and retiring from General Motors. Okay, that's that's amazing. Oh so, my God. Doña Manuelita, usted estaba haciendo ese trabajo antes de nosotras y mejor. <laughs> pues no, les mandé poquito la historia de cuando tú y el compadre tenían uh-huh. la estación de radio. Awesome. The radio station was in a building, and the building is still there. It's right off of Madison and Western, right on the corner. Mi compadre Jesús, que es el padrino de quien la trajo al mundo, su mamá, dice, comadre, hay una, están vendiendo una hora en la radio. Dice, ¿quiere que la tomemos? Le digo, claro, vamos a tomarla. Y... Bueno, de esa manera se comunica uno bastante con la comunidad. Wow. ¿Y, y, y qué tipo de, um, de información compartían con la comunidad en, en la radio? Pues teníamos unos cuantos anuncios comerciales. Como digo, no anunciamos cantinas ni adivinadoras ni nada de eso. Era puro comercio. Realmente, así que el poco comercio que nos daban la oportunidad de anunciarlos, pues se anunciaba la tienda, me acuerdo de un señor que empezó su negocio con menudo, el señor Bautista por la calle Polk, uh-huh. y, uh, y algunos otros comerciantes, el torero, por ejemplo, en la, en la calle Polstead, Ahí fue donde empezó su negocio, el, el milagro. ¿El milagro? El milagro empezó en la Jose. Oh, yo no sabía eso. Entre la Ben Buren y la, y la otra calle que sigue al, al norte. No me acuerdo el nombre de la calle. Bueno, para nuestros escuchadores, porque no creo que todos sepan, um, tenemos escuchadores por toda la nación, entonces no todos conocen el milagro porque... Yo cuando me fui de Chicago y, y cuando me di cuenta que solamente vendían tortillas del milagro aquí, se, estaba bien triste porque las tortillas de milagro me encantan. Um, entonces, el, el milagro es la tortillería uh, very well known in, in Little Village. Um, and uh, Doña Manuelita is telling us that it actually started off on Halstead and that she would Um, announce uh, for um, commercials for them. Y nos puede decir un, por cuánto tiempo hizo eso, señora? La estación de radio, ¿cuánto tiempo duró? Duró muy poco, yo creo que como unos tres meses solamente. Y le traspasamos la hora, que era de 12 a 1 de la tarde, a unos muchachos Zúñiga. Eran varios hermanos, ellos hacían bailes cada semana en la 18 y la Ashland. Muy famosos esos muchachos. Wow, no, esto me encanta porque hay muchas cosas de la villita que yo no sé um, y yo no crecí en la villita. 
Um, pero Sabritas, you you were born and raised in Little Village. Mm-hmm. And you don't know any of this. I don't. I mean, <laughs> no. Mis papás llegaron aquí um, hace 20, 25 años. Mm-hmm. Entonces, uh, usted, Doña Manuelita, sabe, o sea, tiene una, una, una historia mucho más grande de lo que me han contado mis papás. <laughs> yeah. Y bueno, um, and, you know, I, I want to continue reading... Um, porque también tenemos a Andrea que es su nieta um, y fue parte de su vida ya cuando, eh, cuando como abuela y aquí en, en lo que me mandó Andrea um, pues usted fue muy involucrada en la vida de Andrea y fue una influencia muy grande uh, para su en su liderazgo y, um, y así fue ha sido presidenta de su de su colonia de su eh, por 30 años um, pero Um, en el 2001, uh, usted participó en la um, huelga de hambre uh, de 19 días para que construyeran la Little Village uh, Lawndale High School, um, que ahora es cuatro, es, para los que no saben, es cuatro high schools en una. Um, y Andrea y usted, doña Manolita, fueron parte de ese movimiento, ¿verdad? An- antes de entrar a esa historia, que quiero ya entrar a esa historia, so bad, um, quiero saber... Bueno, doña Manuelita, ¿por cómo se empezó a involucrar um, a hacer este escandaloso en la, en, la, en, la, en, la, en la neighborhood? Rebelde, right? Porque, I mean, you know, no, no quiero saber, digamos, que, cómo se involucró. Pues hacíamos, teníamos juntas, era un comité de personas, de varias personas, yo creo que éramos como unas 25 personas. Y el presidente de la, de ahí, de, de esa, de ese grupo era, pues a veces hablaba Ricardo Muñoz, que ya se retiró, o Jesús García. Entonces, el último, la última reunión que tuvimos, que fue el 13 de mayo de 2001, este, pues todos decíamos, bueno, ¿y qué vamos a hacer? ¿Y qué vamos a hacer? Pues, ¿qué vamos a hacer? Entonces digo, bueno, vamos a huelga. Y fue, bueno, parte del grupo, mi decisión de que nos fuéramos a huelga para ver qué efecto nos iba a dar la huelga. Y afortunadamente, pues, se logró. ¿Por qué decidieron una huelga de hambre? Pues, bueno, el sacrificio es el que cuenta. Yo sé porque la huelga trajo consecuencias a mí, por ejemplo, yo tuve que estar este, viendo al médico y luego este, varias personas, Linda Zárate, que fue muy conocida y activa también en la comunidad. Y, uh, ¿Quién más? Rubén Magdaleno, también era un señor mecánico, pero él tomó parte en la huelga, era padre de familia. Y... Um, y bueno, pues decidimos si todos estábamos contentos. Porque estamos, yo creo que fue una motivación muy grande para la comunidad. Porque yo ya había estado envuelta en el concilio de la, de la escuela, ¿cómo se llamaba la escuela? De allá de la 18. O la Orozco. La Orozco, donde ella fue a primaria. Y este... Y yo tomaba parte en las juntas de los padres y siempre me decían, ¿cuánta gente cree que puede traer? 
Pues yo les hablaba historias largas para que vinieran porque le, y los regañaba porque les decía, ¿cómo se puede usted quejar que a su hijo le va mal en la escuela si no conoce ni siquiera al maestro o la maestra? Así que se tiene que venir a la junta. Bueno, pues que yo trabajo. Bueno, pues que venga su esposa. Y a veces la esposa es no, porque yo trabajo. Bueno, pues que venga su esposo. Pero tienen que moverse porque no se pueden quejar si no toman actividad en las juntas. Y entonces, um, ¿cuántos años tenías tú, Andrea? How old were you when this? What's going on? No, pues estaba chica, tendría 12 años. No, durante la huelga. Ah, cuando la huelga, pues ya tenías, fue pues, el 2001. Necesitamos el 2001. De... <laughs> I was like 16. I was on the verge. I was in my junior year of high school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what high school are you going, attending, Andrea? Um, at that time... Actually, I was 17, yeah, so I was in my junior year. Um, at that time, I was going to Cristo Rey Jesuit High School. Okay. So I wasn't even going anywhere in the community. Yeah. And before we, we talk about your involvement, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Andrea, because, you know, your grandmother had a big influence on you. I, I, I want to hear about you as well. Yeah, I mean, grandma's my heart and soul, truthfully. Um, punto, right? And period. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, she raised me, you know, I, you know, some of my family says that I was her second chance and because she took custody of me when I was very young. Um, I was born a year after her husband had passed, you know, she's my second chance when she took custody of me. So there's, I mean, there's a whole backstory to that. That's a whole other conversation. Um, but it was her, right. And then just watching her, she's quite modest. And I think a lot of us as brown women in predominantly Mexican culture, and I'll speak to that because that's what I was raised in we tend to be too modest, right? That Marianismo that comes in. And so we don't talk enough about how much we have done, how much we do all the time, right? And the expectations that are pretty consistent and that if you air out any dirty laundry, right? The hurt and the pain, right? Like we're not supposed to do that. And so I say that to say that she's very modest. Um, she just sees it as, it's just something I do. Um, but her... Me just watching her growing up, being the loving person that she is, giving to her neighbors all the time. We live right next to train tracks. And so there's freight trains all the time, consistently. And many times I would remember these random people just walking up to the gate and I'm just looking at her like, what are you doing? That's a stranger. Um, but there were people that were traveling on train, right? They were just they're coming up from the south and headed somewhere, wherever they, that would be. And she would go out with like, hey, hold on, let me give you some money, or here's a here's a blanket, or here's some food um, for her neighbors, right? And to this day, if, they, if there's issues or people have questions or they need resources, they'll ask her. And so I think that it's her, right? It's just her, just her literally role modeling what it is to be a decent neighbor, what it is to be a kind person. Uh, people on the street, uh, she was also a member of the Lions Club, so Of course, people like cute kids. So then she would put me out there to go collect uh, fundraising <laughs> donations, right? We would do candy and stuff. Um, so just that spirit, right? Of always helping others, however possible. Yeah. So it's from her. Pero ella se sentía muy contenta cuando íbamos a hacer la campaña del de, de Club de Leones. 
para ayudar a la gente que tiene problemas con la vista. Así que íbamos a las tiendas y yo me ponía en un lugar y ella se ponía en otro con un delantal que decía, ¿cómo decir un delantal? No me acuerdo. No me acuerdo. It does, it does. Thank you. And okay, and so, you know, um, it's 2001. Tell us, bring us back to 2001. You're 17. Um, you hear about some uh, commotion about a high school being built in Little Village. It's not being built because I, I, if you could give some context to our listeners that don't know the history, que no saben de la historia de la villita, eh, cuántas... Um, High schools había, uh, y por qué esto era importante, not just for you as a young person, but Doña Manuelita como residente de la villita. So at that time, um, we have to go back a few years to maybe like 97, 98, 99. That's when my grandmother, along with other community members, um, under the guidance of the Little Village Development Corporation, which is now in Massa, Chicago. Um, this is when I believe Jesus was the director of them or of that organization. Uh, it was very grassroots. I remember the office in the back of a dental office right off of 27th and Pulaski, right across the street from Toman Branch Library. Um, I wasn't too active in those meetings. I just know that grandma was, right? And she was going to these meetings. And then all of a sudden, I just remember Mother's Day, hey, we have to go to this press conference at 31st and Costner because we're going to go on strike or, or, or the group is going to go on strike for the construction of, of a high school that they haven't given us. So throughout the years, they just got thrown back and forth where to go, right? They would go to the Board of Ed. Oh, well, you have to go down the street. So they would go down to Springfield and lobby for the money. They would get the money. They purchased the lot. There was a receipt for the purchase of the lot. They had it. Somebody in the group probably still has a copy of it. So it was there. And this was around 98, I, I believe. But by 2001, it was nothing, absolutely nothing, right? And also during this time, there was an announcement of another two schools that were being built, two high schools, right? Walter Payton and Northside College Prep. And if we look at a map and where those are located, it was not Little Village, it was not Lawndale, right? It wasn't necessarily in an area that provided for the families of our communities. It provided more so for more affluent communities, right? And they're very rigorous curriculums. You know, nothing bad about the students that go there, the teachers or anything of that. It was just the way that the politics worked at that time. Fast forward a little bit to once we were in the hunger strike where the president of the Board of Education at that time, Gary Chico, he admitted during that, um, that protest because we filled up we were outside around the building, we were on that floor, and they had to put us into a whole other floor because there were so many of us that were there to protest for this, that eventually he admitted that they had used the funding from the high school to get these other two schools built. Um, so back again, right, back to 2001, there's nothing, it's just an empty lot, and there's, it's just a dump, it's a dump. Um, at that time, Little Village only had one high school, which is located on the east side of Little Village. And I didn't, during that time, I didn't really know, right, the difference between east and west side. Because I go to Cristo Rey, right? I could, I could easily have taken the Cermac bus, 
but my grandmother would drive me. So I had that privilege to go to a school outside of the neighborhood, but, but I also had the privilege of not having to worry about crossing any type of gang lines. And I learned that really firsthand during the hunger strike because I didn't know that, right? I didn't know that other youth like me, they only had one choice and that choice posed quite a significant fear and, and threat, right? To their, to their well-being, but also to parents. So then the question is, well, then where do you guys go? Where do they go? So you either have to go to Curie, which is not in the neighborhood, or I had a friend, a couple of friends, and actually one of our other fellow um, hunger strikers who's just a few months older than I am, he went to Lincoln and or Trinity, I, I forget. Um, the point is, and actually he went to both of those, but the point is he had to go way outside of the neighborhood to get an education where it was safe enough and with quality. So that really hit home for me um, that another person my age, another young person in the neighborhood wanted to further their education, but they were afraid of crossing a line um, and at that time also, we had maybe about 12 grammar schools. You know, at that time we had a higher population than we do now. Around then we maybe had 100,000 plus residents in Little Village. Little Village is very small. We're very densely populated. Um, now we're kind of around the 90s, give or take. Still densely populated, right? Yeah, I would never tell. Um, so where do the children go of the grammar schools? Like where would they graduate off to? Um, so that was the initial part of why this kind of stirred up and the fact that the Board of Education and Chicago Public Schools kept ignoring the call and they kept bouncing us back and forth. That really pushed the group to make that decision to go on this hunger strike. Um, and I remember Mother's Day, we had just come from lunch and I still remember what I ate. It was delicious. I still, I can still savor the fresh bread, right? Like it's, I could savor this and I see my family, grandma, right? We were celebrating. Then we go to this thing and then I'm like, you know, we come home after the press conference, we go make noise. I got people, the youth group from Epiphany Parish, I believe on 25th and Keeler to come out. Like I was just trying to gather more youth, right? Just youth. So we did and we had noise. I don't know what we did to make more noise. People were honking the horn. For a long time, we were just crazy people. Um, but after we came back, you know, I guess I was so motivated and inspired. I'm like, grandma, we, we have to join, we have to do this. And she was like, uh, <laughs> uh, no, like we were there to support. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, we have to do this. Like, didn't you just see that? Like, right, like I was so pumped up. So we decided, right, once we got home, we decided that we would join. And I also remember having family, one of my uncles in particular, out of concern for our well-being and our health. Um, he was like, you know, I, you know, schools can be built. He's like, but I can't replace you and your grandmother. Like he was just really worried. Um, and in my no, go ahead, Sabritas. I was going to tie this kind of back to right now, present day. Um, there was just a hunger strike recently against General General Iron and getting the mayor's attention here in Chicago. I know with um, specifically with the permit to General Iron and how they're moving it to the east side of Chicago. Um, Andrea, or y usted también, doña Manuelita, si puede decir, si, ven, si usted 
ustedes ven unas similitudes entre lo que pasó antes. Sé que es una situación diferente, pero um, tenemos you know, las, las mismas partes que, que están jugando. Um, ¿Cuál es su opinión de lo que está pasando ahorita y, y ven algunas similitudes de lo que ustedes um, estuvieron cuando ustedes estuvieron batallando con la ciudad y con el estado? Y antes de que contesten, perdón. Los problemas con el gobierno siguen. Yo les decía, la villita da más dinero que la Michigan Avenue. Porque había bastantes habitantes, se ha ido mucha gente. Pero la villita daba bastante dinero porque había más este, residentes. Pero se han ido varias familias de aquí. What were you going to say, hon? No, I was going to say that uh, we're going to take a break. And we're back here with Andrea and Doña Manuelita. Um, we've been talking about their lives growing up in Little Village and specifically about their involvement within the community and how uh, a hunger strike is recent, recently happened in, in Chicago. And I was asking about similarities between what you see now from what you experienced back then. Andrea, perhaps you could talk a little bit more about what you what you see and, and your opinion on that. Uh, yeah, I have to take a deep breath for that. Um, and unfortunately, I was not able to make it out to the South Side um, to at least be there to support um, because we know what that feels like. And actually, once it kind of hit me in the middle of in the middle of their of their protest, this was like maybe like four days ago, I started tearing up because I remember what it was like for us um, to have done that. And getting teary eyed now. Uh, but even during the diet high school hunger strike that just happened some, just a few years ago, right? Like, and that one went so much longer, 30 plus days, right? And Paul and uh, Mayor Emanuel back then, you know, nothing, it did nothing, right? There's no movement, no consideration. Um, and they didn't, they didn't win either, right? They didn't get the full on desire that they wanted for, to maintain the school as they wanted it to be. So And it happens, right, along in all of our history books. Well, if we read them, right, if, they, if they're exposed to us because they don't even read those to us in class. Um, because then if we get angry, then, you know, nobody wants angry brown and black people. <laughs> That's a hot mess. We just saw what happened last summer. Um, they don't want that. And, and that is the power, right? That is the power of anger and hurt and pain. Um, and so the same thing now again, right? Like how convenient you just move from like a beautiful place Lincoln Yard area, and then you now you just want to decide to dump this factory on the south side of Chicago, where it's predominantly black and brown folk, where their income is quite significantly lower than the people that are going to reside in the development that they want at Lincoln Yards. Like it's just ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. Um, even when when Hilco, when we had this the issue, we still have the issue with Hilco, and that never got really resolved. They just kind of like oops, we're sorry, here's a scholarship. Oh, let me wash your cars. What? Like, really? Right? And so the fact that we continue to not have proper backup from the leaders, 
right? We need people to be at the forefront, to be angry right along with us. Um, I get it. They get paid to do a certain job and they could also get fired, but we could also fire them because we don't have to vote for you next year and we can cause enough ruckus for you not to want to come back. Um, but many times, you know, and then this pandemic just makes, exacerbates the ability and the energy for families to really fight back, right? There was a quote I read a long time ago, right, where the tyrant keeps their people so busy that they're too tired to rebel, right? And I'm not, that's not the official quote, but in a nutshell, right? And so myself as a single parent with two kids, one doing e-learning, one in childcare, I am blessed to have a job that I can do from home. But so many of the families that I get to serve, they don't get that. They're fired, right? They're, they're not even laid off. They're just fired or they have to quit because they don't have that. With the concern of how do I feed my kids? How do I pay rent next week or next month or the last three months, right? When you have all of this happening, how do people have enough energy to fight back? And so the, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I feel that during the hunger strike for the Little Village High School, we lucked out um, because we were in person and we had a lot of gusto and we had a lot of vigor and we had a lot of organizations from across the city and people from the Costa country that came to visit us and support us. We had the backing, we did have the backing of political officials as minute as it could have been or as major as it was, it doesn't matter. The point is that I know that they were there because I saw them there. Um, and we had that, right? Like we had the backing, we had people power, we had all shades present. We had, we had, we had the, the Catholic church, like we had Christian churches, like we had people there. We had Aztec dancers, we had overnight vigils. We had people come in to play the guitar at night. You know, we were camped in a position, we were physically there. Um, Diet High School did not have that. Um, I don't know what the setup was for our, for our friends out on the South side. I don't know, but we were able to do that. And I think that was really also elemental for us to have gotten as much traction and as much coverage as we did at that time. And also the fact that we had such young people, myself at the time, technically I was the youngest. And then to have my grandmother, right? Um, who was, how old are you? You were like in your 70s? She was in her 70s. 76. Yeah, she was 76 during that time. Yeah, you know, so you have this huge, right? And then I, I always want to clarify the misconception that it was mothers on Mother's Day. It wasn't just mothers. My grandmother, I was not a mother, right? We had a few other youth that were not mothers or fathers. They were youth. And then we had a couple of families that did have children that could have potentially gone to the high school, but they didn't. And actually, just a little cherry on top, my son is a freshman at the School of Social Justice at the Little Village Wellno High School this year. So that's pretty awesome for me. I get wow. you know, about that because it's just like a beautiful full circle for us. And now I'm at the, um, I, I will, they kind of sort of nominated me uh, to be the chairperson for the, for the ALSC, the local school council there at Sojo. So I just, I'm excited to be there. Um, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's work. Um, and that too, right, just like the constant threat of potentially losing local school councils, meaning losing community input, parent input, and community voice is a huge matter. Uh, Chicago, fortunately, still has that as a pretty strong arm in Chicago public schools. And so that's one of those places where I definitely am glad I am, I am involved in. Um, my grandmother, she was also part of the local school council at the Little Village Londo High School. And then she would just kind of share stories with me and stuff. This is when, you know, my children were smaller. 
Um, so I really didn't partake, but now I'm there and I want to keep being there. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I go off on tangents here, but no, much, this is great. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's the constant and consistent message to black and brown folk um, in our communities. And they keep, you know, they keep trying to step on us, letting us know that we don't matter, that our lives don't matter because easily we can move this major factory or this major company from an area that doesn't want it because they're concerned of health issues, because they want to beautify their neighborhood and we're just gonna go dump it into another neighborhood? Like, why? I remember um, one of the times that we had our meeting at the, we called it Campamento Cesar Chavez during the hunger strike. We had one of the reps from the Board of Education come and one of his comments was, a couple of comments were, why are you guys want, why do you guys even want a high school? Mexicans um, uh, reproduce like rabbits, right? Like we can't aspire to more, seriously? So that you are a representative of a board of education in the city of Chicago, which is one of the largest education systems in the country. And this is who's talking? White dude with the suit on. Really bro? Really mother? It's okay. You can swear on here. <laughs> right. Oh, and I still remember Paul Vallis's face, right? Oh, I don't remember that guy. I just remember threatening him. <laughs> edit that out, please. Please edit that out. I could get in trouble. Um, or maybe not. I have no idea. It was like a <laughs> meeting where I almost jumped the, they have like this little wall, right? Where they sit there and everybody sits there. Yeah. Jumped it to go say something yeah <laughs> we it's sad because we continue to hear that rhetoric now you know it's it it, it has not changed yeah. um that's that's incredible yeah we had the carpenters union come out to build a um a stage for us and i remember host us we hosted it was super cold jesus this was may to june it was cold. It was like weather. Yeah, yeah, super Chicago, right? Like super, just crazy. But but there was one night, like this was towards the end of the 19 days. We were all just tired. It was cold. We wanted to go home. It really wasn't warm enough for us to sleep in the tents. And that one night that nobody was on the campsite, they burned down the stage. And we have, you know, grandma, and a couple of the other members, they kind of have suspicion of who it was because during right at the beginning of it in the first few days, we had some resistance from people, locals that were literally a couple of blocks away that were very buddy-buddy with um, Richard Daly, who was back then the mayor. And so of course, this is going against their friends. So of course, they're going to be against us. Like, but to her point, like, why would you go against your own community? This was for the benefit of all of us. There's a school, uh, Zapata, Emiliano Zapata, right on Costner. It's yeah. right there. Where are those kids going to go? Like now, the kids that live in that area can literally walk to a high school, a beautiful high school. Had it not been there, where else are they going to go? Were you going to bust them somewhere? I don't think so. Anyway. Have you two been to um, the Little Village on the high school? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about what, you know, if you can describe it for our listeners, too. But before I do that, I 
you know, you say you, you were staying in, in tents. So for 19 days minus that day, you guys were sleeping at the site where the high school is now. Yeah, we, um, so again, we called it Campamento Sosa Chavez or Camp Sosa Chavez. And we stayed there. We had a white tent that we called it our capital um, and that we held meetings for the first couple of days. A couple of our members did sleep on those foldable metal chairs there. Um, but then eventually we just got tents. Some people started bringing tents. People started dropping off cases of water. Um, I just have too many stories, girl. Too many stories. So you say you have so many stories, which I can only imagine like those 19 days, I'm sure you remember very, very well. Um, what day stood out to you the most and why? Que si hay algún día durante la huelga que se te viene más a la mente de cualquier otra. Algún momento. I have one for sure. Pues realmente todos los días eran importantes porque nos reuníamos en la tarde para discutir la, las actividades del día y le nombramos el Capitolio, una carpa chiquita, ahí nos reuníamos en la tarde. Pero estuvimos misas, el padre de la iglesia Epiphany nos visitaba todas las tardes con su perro, el padre Pedro. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Vinieron estudiantes árabes de diferentes escuelas. Yeah, from the Arab Network. Mm -hmm. La verdad que fue una satisfacción haberlo hecho para motivar a la community, porque muchos padres se quejan, pero quieren que se le haga, que no, no ponen de su parte. Entonces, Yo me siento satisfecha de haber cooperado y que se haya logrado. Me hizo llorar cuando pasé y vi a las personas que iban a empezar a trabajar. No pude menos que ponerme a llorar. ¿Y cómo se sentía en ese momento cuando vio a esas personas empezando a trabajar? Pues me dio tristeza, me dio tristeza y me dio alegría a la vez porque dije, vaya, finalmente se va a lograr. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Many, uh, as you asked that question, I have many flashbacks, right? Um, from like the organizations that came through. I, I'm very fond of, I'm not sure if they're still around actually, but Direct Action Network were super huge in my development and my, in my isms. Um, people that I'm still friends with now that eventually became teachers or that became, you know, just leaders at, in the little village on the high school once it was built. Oh, man, there's just beautiful people. Like I'd never been a part of anything like that in my life. And so for me to have it at this moment at 17, right? A junior in high school, it was paramount, amazing. Um, I didn't know what we were getting ourselves into, truthfully. I had never really grown up with like social justice, the stories, the histories, right? The why people do hunger, none of that. I, we, I just went into it rather blindly. I was excited because I'm a teenager, right? Now I get to go out first time ever. <laughs> right, to go sleep in the tent, right? Like outside of my home, but I'm doing it for a cause, so whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And but now, when I get these flashbacks, like teachings that we had on site, the 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 youth event that we we had, I don't know, 200, 300 people come out, right? They just kind of rolled in and out, rolled in and out. Poetry, music, local bands, um, local artists, muralists. Uh, my good friend Raven, right? He would just post up graffiti just beautiful murals and the carpenters union, right? Like 
carpenters, what are they gonna do with this hunger strike, right? Well, they made us a, a stage. Um, but there is, there's definitely one time and that one always gets me uh, teary at a couple. When we went to the board, you know, they, one of the security guards actually ended up hitting her and knocking down one of our other members who was physically impaired. Um, that was very heartbreaking because why are you attacking us? Like this whole board just attacked us, right? You are, you are committing violence against our community and yet you feel the need to still attack us physically? Why, right? So one of the times that, um, that I remember, again, Chicago weather, big storm, gray skies, our tents were like all over the place. And our Boy Scout, I, I call them Boy Scout, a few of us call them Boy Scout, Don Ruben, um, who all, was also physically impaired, but he was just such a boy. He knew what to do, how to tie it, you know, nail it, whatever. And I just remember everybody trying to cover, like we had a little, um, like a little gas oven, right, to warm up some water or whatever. <clears throat> we had our water. I mean, we didn't have any food, so we just covered what we had and or our, or our sleeping bags or our chairs, you know, that type of stuff. Um, and everything is just is just blowing everywhere. I remember her moving around trying to cover stuff and then him trying to hold tents down and the winds, Chicago City wind, right? Uh, the Windy City. And I just, I, I froze. I froze because why? Like, like why? Why does our community have to put their life on the line to go to school? Period, just, just that, right? Like, just that. Like, it just, it boggles my fucking mind. Like, who, why? Like, in what world, right? In what neighborhood? Obviously in our neighborhood and it still happens, right? Right now during this pandemic, they're trying to shut down grammar schools in North Londo. Why, right? You're doing this shit when people can't even defend themselves. They're vulnerable and you still take advantage of them. These are children children my son is still technically a child right these are our youth like who else is going to fight for them if we don't because apparently the people that represent us they're not doing it enough and they can't do it alone i get that and it's up to us really to be there we have to because they don't know us they don't know our tears they don't know our struggles they don't know our dreams or aspirations they don't know us so that moment was my moment like why fuck, do we have to do this? When youth in other neighborhoods that don't look like me have these beautiful, magnificent buildings that get, they get to go to without a problem. No fight, no argument, no strike. Hey, here's some money. Let's build you guys a school. Great, they should be. But why not us? If it's all about money, Grandma mentioned it, right? At that time, we were, and we still yield more money, very close to Michigan Avenue, right? The magic, or magnificent mile, very close, second to them, still after all these years, and you still want to kick us in the ass. So that's, that was my, that was my moment. Well, first of all, you made me cry. <laughs> um, and I just, when you're talking, it, it, you know, it makes me shake. Like I feel like I understand that frustration and, and I can resonate with that because I myself didn't attend any school in the area. I 
like you, like I left, I, I attended St. Ignatius and I was, that was a, like, obviously now growing up, I understand how fortunate I was. And even when I was going there, I understood. And it really did. It, it really does. Um, it, it speaks volumes as to how the, the city operates. And, and it's really unfortunate that because of politics that people of color and especially within our neighborhoods have to suffer because of it. Um, but kind of moving on towards, um, uh, moving kind of past that. Uh, I, I have a question, you know, your mother. Um, and so I, I do, I do have to ask, um, you know, do your, do you um, involve your kids in any sort of, you know, activism or how, how have you been passing this along? Because I know you were influenced by Doña Manuelita, who is a very strong and humble woman. And the impressions I'm getting for you are you are more outspoken. And so I have to ask if, if this is something you're also carrying along to your, to your children. Yeah, girl, by default. Um, <laughs> I, they don't have a choice. Yeah, not really. I mean, I, I live this, right? Um, I do this for a living. This feeds me, this feeds them, this provides for us. Um, and my sociology books are in the living room. Sometimes my son will pick some up. Like he's been also blessed to be in certain schools with certain teachers that have also helped to kind of, you know, uh, get his mind just open and, and learning and growing. And I learned so much from him too. Like, I'm like I didn't know all that. Damn, like he just, he just started spitting like historical facts. And I was like, ah, stop, <laughs> right? <laughs> Cause sometimes it's just so overwhelming. Um, something that's very near and dear to him right now is very much uh, the indigenous movement, right? Our indigenous brothers and sisters, just the missing women, like it's just the amount of violence against them, our ancestors, our relatives, really. Y nada, and nothing, like there's not enough noise around that. And so that really hurts him, pains him, angers him. Um, a proud moment for me, like he considers himself an introvert, um, or during the Black Lives Matter, like the, the height of it, right? The, all the protesting and the marching 26th, 18th, wherever, he took to a bullhorn and he just started doing stuff. Like, I'm like, who are you, right? Like, where, where, where did this come from, right? Like, so to me, while some parents might be like, no, my teen can't go out there, that's too dangerous. I'm like, vamonos, right? <laughs> Here's some alcohol. If anything, he's the one making sure that me and, and his little brother, his two-year-old little brother, like we're taking care of ourselves more because he's like, mom, I feel like I'm like, you know, raising another teenager. And I was like, well, now you know how I feel. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it is beautiful. Um, I get that from her, right? I just, I get it. We have to honor our elders and I'm very blessed to have her. If I wouldn't have had her, I really don't know where my life would have ended up. Um, and I even have to go back to her mother, right? I didn't get to meet her mother, but I really believe that if it weren't for her mother, my great-grandmother having stayed at home with her children so that she could work, right? And eventually have a pensioned retirement fund from General Motors, like she would not have been able to have raised me like she was able to. She was, she, she was retired by the time she took custody. So she had the time and she had the fund. She didn't have to worry. So it was because of all of that, that then I have been able to pursue education, 
to do different things that she, my grandmother was never able to do. So a lot of it is her. I owe it to her um, to do that. And now sometimes, you know, as a parent, I get a little frustrated because my son might seem spoiled, but then I'm like, but wait a minute, he gets to do stuff that I wasn't even able to touch at his age, right? Because I was a girl and I am a girl and I'm a female, but just in general, because I couldn't even think about those things. I had to do other stuff. I had to work. I had to do school. I had to, you know, my mind was somewhere else. Um, so I'm grateful, right? Today in International Women's Day, like I'm grateful, my God, I owe her everything. But I also owe it to her mom, my great grandmother for having kind of set that tone. She, you know, nobody would have ever known that this would have been my story. Um, or that, you know, I don't know what my son's next chapter is gonna be. You know, he, he loves music and he's, he's a creative person and who knows where he'll be, right? What mic he's gonna pick up later on. But yeah, just passing it on. And the fact that he gets to go to our high school is awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> Tell us about the high school. Now we, we want to hear the, because you, you know, the, the parents were involved in the design of, of this high school. Uh, paint us a picture. Hablar sobre la secundaria, cómo se ve el, 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 todo el significado. Los arquitectos, cómo incluyeron a la comunidad. Bueno, tuvimos muy bonita relación con los arquitectos que estuvieron trabajando ahí y um, hicieron algo que ninguna escuela lo tiene. Tiene un, un tubo, cono. es un cono más bien, que tiene un diámetro. Yo tengo la carta que me dio el ingeniero, en la, pero este, está muy bonita la escuela. Me gustaría que se diera una vueltecita y viera. Muy bonita. So the high school... And I'm also very proud of it because, I mean, this wasn't my idea necessarily, right? This is just, this is a collective, the high school is a collective effort. The hunger strikers were a phase, a huge phase of that for sure. But the people that came before that, that got the, the data, the information, right? There was a survey that Don Tomas, who was back then, he was an organizer that worked for Little Village Development Corporation. It was, it was his inquiry of what does the community want? What do you guys prefer? And they were debating between uh, opening up like some type of a marketplace um, right off of 26th and Costner. I, nothing happened because what the survey said, the data said, is that people wanted a school, they wanted a high school. And so that's what they went with, right? And so from that, right, from just asking a question, and I, I do carry that now with my work, is I feel that it is very disrespectful when people come whether you live in it or not, doesn't matter, but you have a project, you work for a nonprofit, or you're trying to do something, you don't just go impose your agenda, you ask, right? That is respectful. You ask people for their input. What do you want? What do you need? What do you think? How do we get there, right? You include them in the solution process. I don't like this savior complex, not my MO. I actually dislike it. I hate it. It's annoying, uh, <laughs> period. So. But thanks to him, right, and just kind of setting the tone of community involvement, it, it translated even after the hunger strike, where, where the architects included the community. We wanted a very true community process. Community members got to go out into the neighborhood, take pictures of what represented their community, what felt like their community to them. And so through a camera, they took pictures, the architects developed them, they incorporated that into their designs. So the cone that you asked about, right, it's a solar dial that during the, the month of May, it commemorates, it commemorates the 19-day hunger strike in honor, obviously, of the struggle. All around the, the, the building, you'll 
what I remember them saying is that you'll find 19 degree angles here and there, very short, acute angles. Why also in honor of the 19 day hunger strike? The school is divided into four schools, world languages, uh, infinity high school, which is math and science, multicultural arts, right? Uh, more of like the social science, social studies um, school. And then you have the school of social justice. We have four, four small schools. Why did we do that? They sent out community folk like my grandmother, right? To go visit small schools and the concept of what that was and what that looked like to see if that's what they wanted to bring here. And that works, small schools work, right? Because there's smaller, smaller classroom sizes, more attention to students, et cetera. It just, it made sense. So again, ever since the, the even before the building of the building, the building of the building, uh, they were able to say what they wanted to see in the school. And, you know, having a library that is open potentially to the public, but also having a clinic on site. We didn't have that before. So it's, and because the school is not meant to just be a building called school, it's also supposed to be a community center where people can also go to pre-pandemic, take swimming lessons, um, um, engage in after-school activities or ESL classes or, or night school for, for students trying to get college credit. Like it's supposed to be a center. It's not just supposed to be a school. <clears throat> wow, I have walked, driven past that building a ton of times and I did not know that so much, you know, of the community had a voice in, in that. Most, I was born in 97, so <laughs> I was a wee child. Um, Maybe. <laughs> but um, I, I would just like to thank you. I mean, first and foremost, um, this just hearing you two talk really, really fills my heart because this is really what I wanted this pot. This is what I want this podcast to be. You know, I think you said you've said this during, you know, our time here today, how, you know, um, they don't want us to know our history um, because, because our history is what makes us strong. And unfortunately, it's not that our history doesn't exist. It's just that it hasn't been well documented. And I really do appreciate you sharing your experiences. And, um, you know, as, as a Little Village resident, just because um, I hope that, you know, other, other, other um, residents and just other youth will listen to this and be inspired and know that this exists and hopefully you can have your children listen to this as well. Um, and that, that's really what I want this to be is, is to be documenting our history because it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just that we haven't been well documenting it mm -hmm. um, because our history obviously is prevalent but it's always been orally. We pass our stories down orally. And so that's how we keep this alive. And I'm really, really, really um, honored to have interviewed you both today. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and consideration. Um, yeah, and the fact that I get to do this with her is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Pero nunca se paró por ahí para decir, bueno, ¿qué hacen esas mujeres o algo? No. El único que, que estuvo ahí cuando estaban ya este, paliando la arena, no sé qué. The groundbreaking. Arnie Duncan. 
Arnie Duncan, yeah. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> I could I could talk forever. I have so many questions. I feel like an hour is not enough. But um, you know, um, Andrea, Doña Manuelita, nuestros uh, que escuchan um, este este uh, podcast, cómo pueden apoyar a la villita para los que viven en California, en Texas. Tenemos personas que escuchan desde India, people that listen from India, Germany, all across the world. Es, escuchan de México, um, de todas partes del mundo. ¿Cómo pueden apoyar a la villita? Pues las reuniones es lo que hace la fuerza. Es cuestión de que la gente se, se motive y tenga el deseo de cooperar, de mejorar. No es fácil, no es fácil. Nosotros éramos un grupo como de 25 miembros en la reunión cuando se decidió eso de la huelga. Pero hay que tener fuerza de voluntad. Yo me siento orgullosa y le doy gracias a Dios que pude poner mi granito de, de arena. Muchos estudiantes de, del primer año que estuvieron ahí me conocen, me ven en la calle, me saludan y dicen, ah, usted es la que estuvo en la huelga. Pues es una satisfacción. Y hay maestros porque han cambiado maestros que no conocen la historia. Y eso es un, es un error realmente. Un error porque deben de darse a conocer el esfuerzo que se hizo para construirla, para hacerla. Y lo que tiene, porque es una escuela moderna que tiene todo. Tiene una sala grandísima de computadoras. Tiene una librería grande. Tiene la clínica. Y como dijo Andrea, son cuatro escuelas, 350 estudiantes en cada escuela. No, no es cualquier cosa. No. Tenemos buenos maestros. Okay. Sí ha habido cambio de maestros, pero sí da tristeza que la gente no se motive para mejorar, para... O sea que siempre dicen, no, pues a ver quién lo hace o habrá quien lo haga, pero no toman ni iniciativa ninguna. Así que, pues, ¿qué, ¿qué se puede hacer? Ya. Yeah. Entonces, yeah. compartir, compartir este podcast para inspirar a otros. Yeah, for sure. Share the story. Talk about the story. Um, the other thing is, Little Village is not all the gang ridden, and it's not, it's not the wild, wild west here. <laughs> Things happen, yes, they do happen, but it's a very small percentage. Yes, it impacts a lot of our youth. My son, you know, a young man was just shot about a week, just about, within this last week, but from Little Village in Gage Park. And it was the stupidest reason, the stupidest reason, but that impacts my son, he's a skateboarder, right? Just to go to Petrovsky Park to go skateboard at the skate park that youth fought for, right? But it's talking about that. There's a lot of grit here. One of your questions uh, was around, describe Little Village in one word, it's grit. We're far past resilience, we're at grit. We make things happen. Our resilience has taken us so far and now our youth get to continue that, to take the torch and make it go, blow, burn, whatever it has to do, right? But it's grit. Um, and we get it because of stories like this. We get it because we share a taco or a taquito <laughs> with the neighbor. Like we look out for each other. You're supposed to do, that is how humanity works. That's how our ancestors made it this far is by making and building community. And that, if there is anything, that is what we have to do virtual reality, right? You build relationships, even if it's through a, a lens, do that. 
um, share each other's story. Don't choose for other people, honor their story because that is their story. Take from that. Everybody has a toolbox. It looks different for everybody, but we're not here to save anybody, but we are here to build community so that we can build together. And that's how you do that by having moments like this to just share. Thank you so much, Andrea. And with a minute left, <laughs> can you tell us what makes you nerdy? Y no sé qué es eso en español. ¿Cómo se dice en español? <laughs> nerdy. Nerda, no sé. Nerdita, nerda. One for her. Sorry, Germa. Her, her nerdy is watching the news all the time. She's just kind of like being up on her news. Uh-huh. But natural medicine, she'll, she's got so many books on natural medicine. If something is wrong with you, headache, something, she'll run to her book. That is her nerdy moment that she has passed down to me. So wow. if you tell me that you've got something going on, I'm like, oh, girl, turmeric. Uh, uh, <laughs> or a hey, throw some extra ajo or some uh, uh, some olive whatever olive oil with um garlic in your ear for the earache or put some fresh savila in your eye for that eye infection make your skill like whatever it is that that's my mo right like that's my initial um and so i always if somebody says something in any random conversation oh you know what's good for that right i go into mode and if i don't know the answer i just ask her like hey can you look this up for me <laughs> our nerdy moment is natural medicine i call it bruja okay la brujería, la brujería. <laughs> no cierto. thank you so much both of you and you know i appreciate both of you and uh have a great evening and we will yeah. be talking about this more okay We hope you enjoyed this episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. Please share us, review us, and send us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also like to thank our guests and Madera Once for allowing us to use their beautiful music for this episode. Please join us in the next episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. <laughs>